Well, I'm going to continue on what I shared last week, if if that's okay with y'all. And um, I'm going to start in Ephesians chapter 6. We'll bounce around a little bit, but um, I feel like uh, God just wants to take a familiar passage of Scripture and just refresh some things to us and maybe reveal some things to us that has not been, may not have been revealed uh, to some. But uh, Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Last week we talked about being strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, that's where our strength is, right? That's how we fight our battles, amen? Not in our own strength, not in our own ability. That'll always be insufficient. But we must remember that our strength is in the Lord. He's already fought. He's already conquered. He's already overcome. He's already triumphed over any situation that we face. Amen? He's already conquered this world. And we overcome the world through our faith in him. Amen? He's conquered sin. He's conquered death. He's conquered Satan. He's conquered hell. He's triumphed over all. Amen? Are you awake yet? And so this week we're going to be talking about standing strong in the whole armor of God. In him. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Now, notice that Paul doesn't just say, be strong in Jesus' name. He doesn't say that. I think that would kind of imply a little self-sufficiency. You know, just, just be strong in Jesus' name. Just be strong. No, no. We can't just be strong. Apart from him, we are weak. We couldn't even save ourselves, right? We were lost and dead in our trespasses and sins. We needed someone outside of our own self, someone who was capable of meeting all the requirements of the law. And redeeming us from the penalty of our sin. Right? We couldn't do that. None of our righteous deeds would be good enough. As a matter of fact, the scripture says all of our righteous deeds are as dirty rags. And that's just the flat out truth. We can't nice our way and good deed our way into heaven. Thank God it's a gift from God. Amen? Thank God that Jesus was able to save us to the utmost, pay the ultimate price for our sins, and by the power of Almighty God rose from the dead for our justification. But notice he doesn't say just be strong in Jesus' name. Instead, Paul tells the Ephesian church to be strong 
In who? Excuse me? All right, be strong in the Lord. And two, be strong in the strength of his might. couple of examples. I think everybody knew this. Everybody who's been to Bible study, heck, if you haven't even been to church, you hear the story of David and Goliath. If you're just a sports fan and you watch March Madness, you heard about David and Goliath. <laughs> All right? And I'm not going to have you go there. I'm just going to reference the, reference the scripture here. It doesn't make any sense in the natural, in a practical sense, for David to have the confidence that he had facing a giant like Goliath, a man of war, you would look at that battle and say, this is a one-sided affair. I have no chance. I will be destroyed going up against this man. But somehow, not only did he have the great confidence in God, he convinced the king to let him represent the kingdom in a mano a mano battle against the Philistine champion Goliath, a man over nine feet tall, a heavyweight versus a featherweight, the winner of which, or the loser of which, would then be surrendering to the other army. So he's going to put the fate of the kingdom in this little man's <laughs> hands against an awesome and intimidating force like Goliath that none of the brave, mighty men of war stepped, wanted to step up and take that challenge. The king himself did not want to step up and take that challenge. And somehow, this man was so full of faith, this man was so full of confidence, he was able to convince the king to let him be the representative that put everything on the line. Just put it in me. Can you imagine that? Imagine if your family was on the line and you had your little five-year-old son. He was older than five. Your little five-year-old son. And I was a WWE fan a long time ago. You're, it's your little five-year-old son against The Undertaker. Seven foot, 330 pounds of just massive muscle. And, and you know what? If you, if your five-year-old son loses to the undertaker, your family gets wiped out. Would you take that bet? Would you be willing to take that risk? Yet somehow, David convinced him. The king tried to put his armor on David to make him look the part. He looked comical. And he just discarded it. You know what? He didn't need the king's armor. Because David knew what Paul is talking about right here. David was clothed in the armor of God. He had all that he needed to be able to defeat the enemy. And you know what? Just like David had on the armor of God, he didn't need to have on an armor that was built and forced by a man. He had God, the armor of God surrounding him, and he was able to take out the Philistine in one blow.
How many of y'all are familiar with Paul's thorn in the flesh? What did God tell him when he asked him three times to take it away? God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And what did he ultimately say? What did Paul say? He said, you know what? Then I will glory in my afflictions. And he said, you know what? I've resolved this, that God's strength will be made perfect in my weakness. And we want to be strong. We want to carry the boulders. We want to, we want to run. We want to run. We want to, we want to fight. We want to do all these things. And God is simply asking us a lot of times to just stand. Are you hearing me? So he says, put on the whole armor of God, and he tells us why. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Not stand against man. Stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So he tells us the purpose of the armor. And I'm sorry if this is rehashing for a lot of people and so forth, but you know what? I believe this is what God wants to say, and so I'm going to say it with boldness. <laughs> Amen. But he tells us the purpose of the armor so that we can be able to stand and stand strong in the evil day. When the enemy comes in like a flood, you can stand in the armor of God. When the, when the world is quaking in their boots, shaking and worried and full of anxiety, we can stand strong in the strength of God, in faith, with peace, with confidence, in joy, because we know that, that the fate of this world, that, that, that the fate of our lives is in the palm of his faithful hands. Do y'all believe that this morning? And why is that significant? Now, the Bible says our adversary is the devil. And he goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He knows that God has called us to stand against and rebuke him. Is there any agreement along those lines? Do you have authority to stand against and rebuke the devil? Do you have, a, do you have authority to come against, come against the works of the devil? He knows that God has called us to bash in the gates of hell and set free those who are held captive within its gates. He knows that. And he knows he's powerless against us. That's why the devil engages in what I'll call today advanced warfare tactics. 
And it's why I'm preaching what I'm preaching today. If we are fully armored up, he has no chance against us. But if the devil can somehow coax and cajole, cajole us into battling against flesh and blood, then he's got a chance. If he can successfully tempt us into focusing on the fruit of the problems in this world and not the root of the problems in this world, then he's got a chance. That's what I love about Father's Heart Ministry, the root to fruit ministry and so forth. You know, we can deal with the fruit, which means we can be dealing with the manifestation, behaviors. But those behaviors are triggered by root causes that go back in our past and they continue to keep its hooks in us and it keeps manifesting. And all we can do is we can medicate, we can deal with the symptoms, or we can get to the root of the problem. And by healing the root, all of the fruit changes from bad to good. Are you hearing me? And God wants us to fight the good fight of faith. To where we remember who our adversary is, that we remember the source of the evils that come against us, that we remember the source of the evils that we are confronted with in our society. And we can take a stand against the devil himself and take territory that he, that has become solid ground for him, we can take it for the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? We don't want our battle strategy to be flawed. If he can manipulate our perceptions, then he can dictate how we think and act. There's a lot of silence right now. How many of us, the word of God tells us to forgive, and yet for whatever reason we refuse to forgive? How many of us justify our refusal to forgive? And you know what we often do when we justify our refusal? We're in sin. We're in rebellion. We're in disobedience. But you know what? It's not on us. We justify it because of what that person did. So we blame the person that we refuse to forgive. And what we've done is we've taken our eyes and our focus off the way and will of God and we've brought the standard down to an emotional level, to a corner level that will allow us to justify in our minds our position. Got people looking at the clock. How much more of this are we going to have to take? I didn't sign up for this. I'm, I'm just kidding. But I, I'm just wanting to speak to a serious issue and really speak to what the enemy, how he operates, how he gets us, and, 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 and how we make excuses for ourselves. And, and by doing so, we end up cooperating with the enemy of our souls. <laughs> 
instead of cooperating with the lover of our souls. Amen? God wants you free. He wants you delivered. He wants you set free. He wants you walking in the liberty and life of God. But we're going to have to say, you know what, God? Let every let God be true and every man a liar, even if that man is me. I'm not going to convince myself and justify what I know to be ungodly thoughts, what I know to be ungodly emotions, what I know to be ungodly attitudes and ungodly actions. I'm not going to justify it based on my own standard. I'm going to speak the truth even to myself, and I'm going to surrender to God's word. We're going to move on. Uh, we don't want the devil to divert our attention away from God's word, away from God's will for our lives, and we, the way that we know we're supposed to conduct ourselves in the name of Christ. Because by doing so, He's duping us into laying down the armor of God instead of taking it up. And he's got a chance in that circumstance. Is that making sense? Is that making sense to y'all? And so he goes on in verse 14. Well, I'll back up to 13. After telling us who our battle is against. Now, I know we're able to see flesh and blood. We deal and confront face and blood, uh, flesh and blood all day long. And we have to speak the truth in love. We need to call sin, sin. We need to call right, right, and wrong, wrong. We need to stand firm in the Lord. But we need to know that our enemy, our adversary, is in the spirit realm. Those people that irritate you, guess who's pushing their buttons? Guess whose influence they're under? After telling us that, in verse 13, he goes on to say, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, not part of it, the whole armor, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And I, just, I just want to talk about those for a little bit. You know what? Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. You know what? Declaring that God, your word is truth. There is one truth, and that's God's truth. Amen? There's not my truth. There's not your truth. There's the truth of God. Amen? And so I'm declaring that. Two, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having declared that truth, you know what? I'm going to walk in a righteous manner. I am declaring that I'm going to walk in obedience to that truth. Amen? that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not just going to be a hearer of the word, but I'm going to be a doer of the word. 
Does that make sense? This is putting on the armor. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. You know what? I kind of struggle uh, with this one is what I'm going to use for as an example. But you know, there are many things in life that can cause us to struggle and cause us to not be at peace and so forth. You know what? I just think that we need to, in, in, in prayer to God, we just need to invite God to do a work in our hearts and just say, well, Lord, you know, the, the places that you want me to go, the things that you want me to do, give me a peace in my heart about that. Even if I have to face hardship and trial, even if it's not an easy road to go, if it's a hard road to hoe, then give me peace about it. And, and, and Lord, if I would stray, don't give me peace. Bring me conviction. Let me know this is not the way of the Lord that I might, so, so that I may be walking in obedience to God and, 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 and I'm always at peace as long as I know it is the will of God for my life. But if it is not, I don't want to be at peace. I want to be convicted. I want to be led from my erroneous way into the way and will of the Lord. Amen? We could go into a, a, a lot more detail, but I just wanted to give you a general gist. And then he says in verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The shield of faith. You know what? Again, let God be true and every man a lie. You know what? I don't care what the circumstance is. What God said is the way things are. And I'm going to rest on what the word of God says. I'm going to rest on what God told me. I'm going to act like I believe that God is on the throne. So, brother. I'm not just going to give mental assent to it. I'm going to proclaim it. I'm going to declare it. I'm going to believe it. And, and I'm going to emulate my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he fasted 40 days, the devil came and tempted him. What did he do? He, he, he combated him with the word of God, and he would not let the enemy steal his faith. He wouldn't even let Peter steal his faith. When he told him what he was going to suffer, Peter meant well. He said, no, Lord, be it far from you. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. He loved, and he loved Peter. But I believe he was speaking not just to Peter, he was speaking beyond Peter. Because he knew that Satan was trying to worm his way in and use one of the guys that was closest to him to begin to sow a little seed of doubt. 
to begin to try and shipwreck his faith and, and, and hope that he would go astray and veer off of the plan the father had for him. And he realizing that his battle is not against flesh and blood, but, but, but it is against his spiritual enemy, Satan. And he spoke to him. You have no place in me, Satan. Even though the path I must, that I must follow is, is going to lead to great sorrow. It's going to lead to great pain and sacrifice and so forth, but for the glory of God. And I am purpose that I'm going to walk that, that path. I'm going to walk it in obedience. I'm going to embrace the will of God against all of the, the things my flesh might want to try and rebel against. Against what you're trying to attempt, tempt me to do. I'm going to walk in faith. And I'm going to embrace every bit of it that God has for me. And I'm going to finish this race. And he knew already at that moment, in that time, how hard what he was going to suffer, how hard the road was for him. And he was fully committed to it. And I would encourage us all to take up our cross and follow his example and just embrace it all not only the highs but the lows not only the glories but the challenges not only the peaks but the valleys not only the victories but the hardships and trials because it'll all God will work it all together for our good and accomplish his will and for his glory so in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have to know and be secure in your salvation in the Lord. Are you hearing me? I know sometimes we look at ourselves in the mirror and, 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 and we're struggling in certain areas and, and sometimes we, you know, we begin to question God's love for us. We begin to question sometimes even our own salvation. And we don't even stop to think about the fact that we're moving into a thought that's kind of, man, I've turned this thing from the gift of God. <laughs> uh, I've turned this thing from by grace are you saved through faith. Uh, I'm thinking with a works mindset. If the enemy can get you thinking, Focus internally on your own little shortcomings and failures and so forth and get you in your mind to disqualify yourself. Then he's got a chance. And I want to tell you this. Make no mistake about it. When the enemy does that, he's not just talking about you. He's not just criticizing you. He's also targeting God, how we think about him. That 
the salvation that he has, that the greatest salvation that he's given us is a fragile thing. Can you really be secure in it? He's given us the Holy Spirit as a seal of the promise that we, that we shall grab a hold of. Amen? So we've got the seal. And the only chance he's got is to get us to doubt. But I would say keep on your helmet of salvation and realize just how secure your salvation is in Christ Jesus. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Amen? So, if you still confess him as your Lord and Savior, you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead and you've given your heart to him, And yet, I don't want to, it's amazing I'm drawing a blank, but yet you go and you sin in some great way. Are you still saved? But if you're really saved, you wouldn't do that, right? Save folk don't sin. I'm sorry. That's right. And I I just want you to, I'm not trying to water down the gospel and I'm not trying to absolve anyone of our responsibility as disciples of Christ to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. But there's a reason why we're told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. (laughs) All right? There's a reason that we're told. You know, there is a work that has begun in us, and the Bible says that he is faithful to complete it. So we're not finished works. Right? We're not finished works. We're still works in progress. All right? God knows every flaw. God knows every shortcoming. God knows every sin, every bad attitude. He knows all that, and he's dealing with that. All right? Now, we've got to make sure that we're still on the right path and that we are moving toward him. That we're still, you know, repentance basically means about face, change direction. You know, I was going this way, now I've repented and I've turned and I'm going the Lord's way. Right? And so, every once in a while we may stumble, every once in a while we may fall, every once in a while we may falter, but the objective is not to stew and dwell on it, but we've got to realize, okay, I took, a, I took a false step. Now it's time for me to own it. Now it's time for me to confess it, take it to God, repent, and get myself back on that pathway toward him. Amen? And trusting that he still loves me, that he's still for me, that he still has a plan for me, that I can still be used of him to accomplish his will and purposes in my life. And and. And, and, and not allowing the enemy to use that to gain a foothold in my heart and to wreck my faith in the Lord. Amen?
and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I mentioned Jesus and after he fasted 40 days in the wilderness and enemy came to him. What did he do to combat the lies and the temptations of the enemy? He hit him with the word of God. In 2 Timothy 2, you know, Paul tells Timothy to study, to show himself approved under God. A workman that need not be ashamed, but rightly devise the word of truth. That, that, that's why it is important for us to daily be in God's word. It is a part of the armor of God. We have to know the word in order for us to be able to, uh, to, to, be able to, 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 to see the lie, to expose the lie. If you don't know the truth, you'll be duped by the lie. So we have to know the truth. And Paul finishes by repeatedly emphasizing the importance of prayer. Now notice that he does not refer to prayer as a piece of the armor of God. Verse 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So he doesn't refer to it as a piece of the armor of God, but he spends more time talking about prayer than he did the piece, the other pieces of uh, the pieces of the armor of God. And I believe by doing this, Paul gives us the key to putting it on. And this is where I encourage us in prayer. All those things that I was saying earlier about us declaring, you know, that can become a regular part of our prayer life before the Lord. When we begin to just profess to God and, and, and we commit to God our commitment to put on the breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit. That we're committing ourselves to the will and the way of the Lord. That we're committing ourselves as his disciples, as his children. Father God, I want to be a champion of the, the champion of truth. I don't want to be among those that are morally relativistic. I don't want to be among those that, that try to bend your will or try to bend your word to serve my own purposes. But I choose to humble myself before you, Lord, and acknowledge that your word is truth. 
James 5 verse 13 says, is any uh, 5 verses 13 through 18 says, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be, he will be forgiven. Therefore, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And here's what I really want you to get. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I started off this service praying as Jesus taught us to pray. You know, you know, he's, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, I believe that should be our daily prayer. As a matter, not, not just I believe, it should be. But we're praying daily. Father God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in me, in my life, in my household, in this city, in this country, in, on this planet. Let your will be done here as it is done in heaven. And I just believe we need to be committed, make, make time for prayer. But I, Because I believe we can pray through and we can armor ourselves up through prayer to putting on each element of the armor of God if we commit to a daily prayer life and quiet time with the Lord. This is the practical benefit of it. This is a practical reason why it is important to get into, your, to get into the word and to get before the Lord in prayer. Because God wants us to be able to stand in the evil day. When other people are being swept away by the force of the enemy, we're able to stand strong in him because we're armored up in the spirit in a way the enemy cannot overcome and cannot stand against. But the power of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Now, I want to point out, Elijah just didn't decide on his own to pray for there not to be rain. He knew that that was the will of God. And he prayed what he already knew was the will of God, and it came to pass. Because there was a king, <laughs> the Bible says that he did more. How, how, does, that, how does that word go? He did more to uh, I'll just say he did, he did more in disobedience and the first rate God than all the kings before him. Ahab did. And God sent the prophet of God and he said he was going to bring a drought and it did not rain a drop for three and a half years. Now he's, 
Now, he comes out, and he declares that. He prays that, but he's not doing it in isolation. He's doing, he's praying what he knows the will of God is. And he's just being a vessel and a conduit for, for God. He's just, he's, just, he's just inviting the will of God into, the, in, into this natural realm. And it stayed, the drought continued until God moved him to pray for rain. And he prayed for rain. And then the rains came. Amen? Um, she's probably waiting for me to say, uh, that's uh, 1 Kings 18, verses 41 through 46. There we go. And I'll be wrapping up here really soon. But it says, And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. There's a lot there. Uh, That's for another time. But the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, what does that mean? Well, as we are spending time with the Lord and, and we, begin to, we begin to see and we begin to hear and to know what the will of the Lord is and, and, and he begins to move on us to really press into and pray things that are his will. And so we're not praying our own will. We're praying what we know God wants us to pray. And we're believing that those things will manifest from the heaven realm, heavenly realm into the natural. Amen? And so when we're connected with God in prayer, and we're connected with him on that intimate level and so forth, then, then those effective, fervent prayers will avail much. Because we're just calling, because we're, we're just calling those things that are that are real in the heavenly realm to manifest themselves in the natural according to God's will. So it was no accident, and it was very purposeful that Paul used Elijah in talking about prayer and, and as an example of the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man uh, uh, producing much. And I will finish in Philippians 2 by saying this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out of your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Verse 
I don't have to tell y'all how crooked and perverse this generation is. How crooked and perverse the times in which we live are. Um, we are truly living in the end times, in the last days. No man knows the day nor the hour, but we are in the last days. However long that they may last. But we got to know, and we can't lose sight and can't lose hope of the fact that God is working. He's working in you. He's working in me. He's working in you. He always has a remnant. He's working in us, and he wants to continue to work in us, both to will and to do according to his will and his good pleasure. And it is incumbent upon us to do everything without grumbling and disputing, to do everything in obedience to him, that we may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. You know what? We're supposed to stand out for the right reasons. Amen? We, we live in a crooked and perverse generation, but we're not of that crooked and perverse generation. We are children of the Lord. Amen? And we're called to be light in the middle of all of that gunk and all of that darkness. Amen? And so... Uh, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding firmly to the word of life. So don't, so, so I just want to challenge you, don't tell me that there's not enough time to get into his word. It, it's too important. It's your life. It's your sword. Amen? Don't, 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 don't tell me that there's not enough time to pray. <laughs> All right? Because it's too important. You have to put on the armor of God, and prayer is a vitally important part of putting it on. Amen? You know, uh, is it hard to put on the belt of truth? Yeah, yeah. That's why Jesus said, in this life you will have trouble. There will be persecution. There will be hardships. There will be trials. But do not be worried. Be of good cheer. I have overcome it all. And he has not left us or forsaken us. He didn't say the road would be easy. He said there would be challenges. There would be hardships. But don't worry. Be of good cheer. I am with you. And because I am with you, all right, you are more than conquerors. So hold firmly to the word of life. And I know in this crooked and perverse generation, not only is it hard to put on the breastplate of truth because, you know, now they're, I don't know, wanting to make it a crime for speaking the truth nowadays. But you might feel it's really hard to put on that breastplate of righteousness. There's so many peers, there's so many coworkers, there's so many people that are living life according to the standard of the day and would look at those who would dare to stand and walk in the way of the Lord and, 
and, and try to make it seem like there's something wrong with you. You don't have to, you don't have to hate on them, as they say these days. You don't have to hate on them. You don't have to get in your feelings. But just know that you know that you know. who you belong to, who has redeemed you, whose opinion really matters is the one who loved your soul and the one who died to save your soul. Amen? And we have to know that this life is but a vapor. The life we live on this this world We'll be here today, gone tomorrow. But it's where we will be for eternity that matters. Amen? And I would rather please God and face the mockery and scorn of this world than to be a man pleaser and be separated from him throughout eternity. Amen? And so... It's worth it, suffering for God. It's it's worth it, making a stand and and, and taking whatever the world wants to throw at you, whatever the enemy wants to do to try and break you. Let him throw everything he has at you. Every dart he has, it will come to nothing as long as you have on the full armor of God. So hold firmly to the word of life so that in the day of Christ, Paul says, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, that, I, that, that when I poured myself out and invested in you, I can be proud as I see you rise above every challenge of the enemy. I can be, I can be proud and I can, be pra- I can praise God to see you forcefully advancing the kingdom and kicking in every door of the enemy and bringing out those lost souls from, his, from the darkness, from the bondage that he has put them under into the kingdom of, of his dear son, Jesus Christ. I want to ask you to stand. Thank you for bearing with me. I just pray and trust that That the message uh, resonated as it was intended. It was received as it was intended. And I just want to encourage you in the Lord. To make time every day to put on the whole armor. To make time for God. To make time for your relationship with him. Don't let Sundays be the lion's share of the time you spend with the Lord. But let's, let it be a, a continuation of what you do with God daily. That you start your day with God every day. In prayer and in his word. And that we're not listing off, we don't have a list of to-dos that we want God to do, but, 
but but we're going to him in prayer with open hearts and 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 and, and with with humble attitudes and ready to receive direction and instruction from him lord speak to my heart holy spirit bring conviction into my heart bring conviction to my life and so forth uh, according to the will of God, move me and direct me into the pathways that he has marked out for me. Begin to actively pray in that way and say, Lord, in, in, in any way that my own desires, that my own flesh, that my own mind start, tries to take over and get me to going in my own path, then I, I, I invite you and I beg of you to to, to, to deal with me in those moments. To reveal my errant ways. To, 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 to bring conviction upon me in a way that will lead me to repentance. And lead me in the way everlasting, Father God. Because I want to be a true, I want to be a disciple and follower of Christ Jesus. I want to be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And people, by doing so, will be following the example of Christ because that is what I do. So I just want to encourage y'all that way. Just to be that deliberate, to be that intentional. Daily. Just give God complete license to work in your life the way he sees fit. And each day you're committing to God's way by saying, Lord, whatever your will is for me today, I say, yes, Lord. Speak to me your will, Lord, and I will obey. Help me to overcome my feelings. Help me to overcome fears. Help me to overcome my own will and surrender it to yours. So, Father God, this, I just declare and I just pray that this becomes the prayer of each of us here today, Lord. That we, by humble submission, through prayer and supplication, Father God, we will seek your face and we will put on the full armor of God that we will be able to stand and to stand strong in you, in your armor, in this evil day. That we may be able to stand out in this crooked and perverse generation. That we may be among those who when we pray, we pray what we know God's will is. We pray in a righteous manner, and those prayers will avail much. Father, we receive that, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. Amen. Just just wanted to say the Lord bless you. Um, um, I can't end a service without giving an opportunity for anyone who may be here today who does not know the Lord. And you're not here by any accidents or happenstance. You're here because it is the will of God that you be here. And he's put you in a position to give you an opportunity to come to know him if you don't. And to return to him if you've strayed. And so this is your decision time. And and I believe that if if, if that is you, I just believe the Holy Spirit is, is tugging at your heart. And I, I'm not going to belabor it. I'm just putting that call out there. And I just trust that uh, Holy Spirit is going to lead you here. And uh, you're going to uh, get right with the Lord. Amen? Amen. And so... It would be an honor and a privilege uh, for me to be of service to you in ministry uh, in that way. And I would encourage you to come um, to his throne of grace confidently <laughs> because he loves you. And, and, it, and, it, and it is his will uh, to, to bless you and to be in right fellowship with you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, God bless you as you go.